Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Spoiler Alert Podcast. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny. And tonight, it's time for another best picture. This time, one of the most lauded films of all time. The 1962 best picture, Lawrence of Arabia, starring Peter O'Toole. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine, thank you. This really is one of the most lauded films of all time. It certainly is. It was name-checked in We Didn't Start the Fire, which for me is one of the benchmarks for if a film is really good. So if Billy when, Joel once thinks... Billy it, Joel sings about it. Right. Well, that's, it was this. It was Ben-Hur. There's like five... Uh, Bridge on the River Kwai was in there. He, he mentions like five. And this Both is of those directed of by David Lean and starring ah, Al- Sir Al Guinness. Oh, there you go. So Billy Joel had a bit of a David Lean fetish. Yeah, yeah, as we all do. As we all do. This movie is also uh, often um, shared by S- Steven Spielberg as the reason he wanted to become a filmmaker, that he saw this movie and said, I want to do that. Wow. And it's it's always in the top ten lists of greatest films, sure. biggest films, yeah, this British is, films. It's it's really really well lauded. This is AFI's list. I, oh, some of the top quotes. It's yeah. This is a, a preserved by the National Library of Congress. This is yep. this is a big deal. Yeah. Now let me ask: Had you ever seen it before? I had several years oh, ago. Yeah. So this okay. is this is hilarious. The last the first. And only time I'd seen this movie prior to us re-watching it for this podcast. I took a trip to Australia with uh, my wife and our daughter. My wife was pregnant with our son at the time. And my sister joined us for this trip. And so we brought some DVDs along with us to watch on the the trip. Like when we were in hotel rooms. Like what are we going to do at night? And so this was one this of was the... This was one you brought? This was one we brought. I'd never seen it. I'd owned it and thought, well, that seems like a good one. My sister and I both enjoyed it. Guess what the other best picture winning movie was that we'd brought on that trip and watched on our trip across Australia and New Zealand for three weeks? It's one we've reviewed. My Fair Lady. No, it's Kramer versus Kramer. This oh, wow. and Kramer versus Kramer were the two movies that kind of sig- signify my my truck across the you're globe like on vacation, to Australia. You're like, yes. Let's just pop in Kramer versus Kramer and have a couple of yucks. <laughs> that was it. We'll just, but, we'll just laugh it up. But we watched this film and we both really enjoyed it. As in my sister and I both really enjoyed it. Christy, I think, watched a good portion of it, but she was pregnant at the time and I think went to bed a little bit earlier. It is but nearly see, four hours long. It's so nearly four hours long. It against her the second longest running best picture of all time, right behind Gone with the Wind, which you've also reviewed. Yes, yes. Now, this movie did win seven Oscars. It won Best Picture, Best Director for David Lane, Best Cinematography, Color, Art Direction, Set Direction, Sound, Film Editing, and Score, and was nominated for Best Actor for Peter O'Toole, Best Supporting Actor for Omar Sharif, and Best Adapted Screenplay. So definitely a big winner on Oscar night. And again, just really, really well regarded. Really critically acclaimed. I mean, a shame for Peter O'Toole, who this was the movie that ultimately defined him as an actor. He was nominated. Oh, for sure. He was nominated subsequently. He got an honorary award at some point in the aughts. Uh, but this was this was the movie he should have won for. And of course, lost to Gregory Peck for To Kill a Mockingbird, which was kind of his 
career-defining role as well, obviously. This was also one of Peter O'Toole's first films. I mean, he was yeah. nominated for a BAFTA, but it was for, like, Best Newcomer. You know, yeah. like, it's hard to imagine a time when Peter O'Toole wasn't super famous already. Yes, right, right. But this was it. This this was the movie that, right. that cut that, that mold. Yeah, he, he was also, he was nominated several times for Best Actor, but I think last in 2006, I want to say, or 2003, 2006, for a movie called Venus, and even just looking at the the poster, he just looks cadaverous. It already looks like the reanimated corpse of Peter O'Toole is in this movie. And someone in the Academy is like, shoot, we've never given this guy a competitive Oscar. We better try. They threw him an award, you know, a nomination. And then someone watched it and thought, ugh, no it, thanks. It is. So he lost. It is really unfortunate. I remember so well that year when he was subsequently nominated for that Best Actor Oscar uh, watching that show that VH1 used to do called like the best week ever, where they just make fun oh, sure. of pop culture Snarky. stuff, yeah. and and one of them was about the Oscars, and they showed a cut to Peter O'Toole in the audience looking like he just sharded himself, and it was <laughs> really, like I mean just hysterical and also kind of sad, you know? Like I mean the guy was the guy was in his eighties at the point, yeah, yeah, rough. Yeah. Well, let's let's drill in here to Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, for those of you who have not seen it, this is the tale of a fey, intellectual, wishy-washy murderer who briefly aligns himself with a number of Arab tribes to kill a common enemy before retiring to the safety of the UK and dying on a motorcycle. Now, luckily, after T.E. Lawrence, the, the character played by Peter O'Toole, uh, completed his campaign of blood across the Arab world, it's been great that after that bloodshed and war, there's been nothing but peace and tranquility in the region ever since. Oh, and that's Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, all right. Actually, it tells the story of T.E. Lawrence, who is part of the British uh, Army. And uh, right after World War One, he's posted in North Africa and is sent to meet a Prince Faisal, played by Sir Alec Guinness to determine whether or not he can be helpful to the British in their campaign in the region. He ultimately disobeys the orders of his commanders, which he does repeatedly throughout his career and throughout the film, and aligns himself with Prince Faisal and offers him a courageous and stupid uh, tactical opportunity by crossing a desert with 50 men to attack a Turkish stronghold from the land as opposed from the sea where it's heavily fortified. This campaign is successful, uh, and he sort of makes T.E. Lawrence's bones and, and more of a name for himself. And he goes on to lead a campaign of ragtag group of different Arab tribes in the common enemy against the Turks, uh, ultimately uh, developing a rather taste for blood and warfare, and before he kind of decides that maybe it's best that he not be engaged in battle on a regular basis. And he removes himself from the whole situation and retires in safety and dies on a motorcycle. Is that better? Is that a little less snarky? Well, uh, the first one was more snarky. I think both both were wholly accurate. Yeah, yeah. This, it's a long story, and I, I mean, there's so many details that we didn't touch on, and then there's also so many minutes where there's no detail to touch on. And so, I'm gonna just jump right out and say I, I liked the movie the first time I saw it. I think that there. We've talked about this in the past. I think that this is a film 
made at a certain time in our nation's history when going to a movie was a big freaking deal. It was exciting. You would you would plunk down your hard-earned money to get a ticket. There was an intermission because the movie was so long and it was shot in such gorgeous scope and color and and beauty. This is one of those epics. But boy, is it dry. I mean, it is as dry as the desert they're crossing. There are, there are 15, 20-minute scenes that will go by where you're just like, would you get on with it? For the love of God, what is going to happen? And something inevitably does. But wow. I, I feel like you compare it to the longest Best Picture winner we've ever seen, which is Gone with the Wind. Scenes change pretty frequently. Every five minutes, something different is going on. Not so in Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. And every time I, as I was watching it and taking notes, I wanted to sort of nitpick something, though. The camera would pan or there would be a shot. And just the scale of this movie, the breadth of the, you know, the the widescreen cinematography, the shots of the desert, there'd be a thousand guys on horseback riding past. And there's no CGI here. It's a thousand guys on horseback. And I would be so blown away by the scale and scope of what I was watching. And the score would swell. And I would think, gosh, this is really impressive filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, I just kept getting blown away by how epic it was. I mean, it's truly epic. And then I would start to get bored. And then I would have trouble kind of following the politics of what is happening. Or I'd I'd understand, but I'd think that's just unbelievable. Like, I know what you're saying happened, but I, I just think that's made up. And and as I'm trying to nitpick another big swell of music, they turn a corner and suddenly you're looking at 10,000 miles of desert in every direction. And it just took my breath away. So I I did really enjoy seeing the film. I saw it on, you know, a bigger screen. I can only imagine what this would have been like in 1962 in a theater. In a theater. It would blow your mind. I mean, yeah. I really can legitimately think, I understand how Spielberg saw this and thought, I'm going to be a filmmaker. I'm also glad that Spielberg decided to make a more exciting movie every time he made a movie. <laughs> right. like, other than AI. Well, AI say, sucked. We, we've yeah. seen a few toughies. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, everyone's the winner. Not even just the scope of the cinematography and the the vistas that they're shooting. There are some really intense scenes. There's... There's a scene where one of uh, Lawrence's protégés is trapped in quicksand. That is a horrifying, gut-wrenching scene. There's a scene where another one of his protégés accidentally detonates a bomb on himself. Like, maiming himself. Yeah. Uh, And so that this individual doesn't become captured by the enemies and tortured... Lawrence just has to shoot him in the head, right? Like a casualty of war. I'm not going right. to let you go through that hell. Those are some really, I mean, even, you know, 1960s filmmaking, Peter O'Toole really conveys the the horror and hell that is war through his eyes in those scenes. And I was, I was utterly impressed and really sad in those yeah. moments. Well, there's also a moment when they're they're crossing um, the desert and it's 
it's a foolhardy attempt. It's suicide, basically, for them to be trying to cross this desert. Even these Bedouin soldiers who live in the desert. Uh, but of course, he sort of foolishly pushes ahead and encourages them to go along. And while they're traveling across this desert for days and days and days, a guy falls off his camel during the night. And they they get out of the desert and they're all sort of just thankful to be alive. And Lawrence goes back to save this guy's life. So again, just risks his own life stupidly, goes back, gets him, and he does return. And, and what a heroic moment it is. Well, later, that same guy whom he saved murders um, a member of one of the other tribes with whom they have aligned themselves. And it it brings the two tribes to a point of they're about to rumble, essentially, right? They're, they're supposed to be sort of fighting all together to go take care of the Turkish. Right. So Lawrence has to come up and say, okay, so this guy murdered one of your guys. So you want to see him dead. That's the law. But if any of your guys touch him, then his, his guys are going to come and just start a war right here. So I'll do it. So he gets a gun and goes to commit the execution. And it's the guy... That he's, he, he risked saved. his life saving. Yeah, yeah, and it was so sad and tragic. And then... What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with how silly that scene becomes? Because we see that the camera is down low, up showing us... Uh, Lawrence's face and he's holding the gun and he starts shooting and he's shooting like all, it's a pistol and he's shooting all over as if the guy is just rolling like around snake. on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like he's yeah. <laughs> like a guy's doing like the curly shuffle, you know, where he's like, <laughs> like his head's in one place and his body's just trying to plug. But I was like, who is moving this much? Is he shooting him 10 times? Or is the guy just squirming enough that he's just shooting the sand over and over? It's an upsetting scene in the fact that, number one, I mean, he has to execute a man that he almost certainly killed himself to save, right? Like, I mean, the fact that he he made it back was essentially a miracle. And we don't fact check, so I don't know if that actually happened in the life of T. Lawrence or not, but... Regardless, but then two, it's kind of the moment at which he becomes sort of a a victim of the excitement of war, right? Like he, yeah. he later reports to his superiors in uh, the British Army, I sort of enjoyed it. Like he, right. he got a charge out of executing the man, which they kind of quickly dismiss, and it's you know sort of a. a a difficult har- harbinger right. maybe, of, maybe you know, this slow, is the way that the war is going to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe, maybe keep some of those thoughts to yourself, right? Right, like, right. So ultimately, I think it's a really epic, interesting movie, beautifully shot. The score is amazing. A lot of the acting is very good. However, it does drag at points, and I kind of couldn't take one more scene of people riding camels yeah. or charging yeah. into battle. And I think there's four or five scenes of them blowing up a train. Yeah. Yeah. And we right. got the, like the full train blowing up sequence. Like we could have just seen one of those or maybe two, a little montage. Every one of them went the same way. Like you, you, you detonate the bomb, the, the engine goes off the track. Then all of the army appears from behind the sand dunes, firing on the Turks in the train. Right, I mean, right. this happened. If it, 
if it happened once, it happened a dozen times. I can't quite remember, but it keeps happening. But I do think people should check this one out. I think it's worth seeing, but uh, it, it just got a little, a little long in the tooth. But what's up with how are Lawrence's feet not blistered beyond bloody wearing those sandals trekking across the desert? Last July 4th, I had to go help my wife organize the parade for our neighborhood. And so I had to walk like a mile down the street wearing Birkenstocks. My feet didn't heal the rest of the summer. They were cut <laughs> to shreds. I mean, it was just ribbons of bloody flesh. That's so gross. And and these shoes actually fit me semi-comfortably. How is he walking miles and miles and miles across the desert? And his feet look kind of fine. What's up with that? What is up with that? You pay a lot of attention to people's feet in movie movies we're, we're, we're learning this about you yeah. what's up with on their way to damascus they're trekking through the desert and they're gonna go kill a bunch of guys and honest to god there is a street sign just planted in the desert in the middle of nowhere and it says damascus and has an arrow <laughs> pointing to the right like <laughs> just in case a, you happened a, upon right, here right? there's a thousand miles of open desert there's no road there's no track they're on but there's a street sign. I laughed out loud at that. And it's sort of like an Austin Powers moment or something like, you know, you take a right at the sign. Like, that's the directions. What's up with how Lawrence, like, pretty much stakes his entire life on the ability of this Arabian force to beat this Turkish stronghold by approaching from the desert and not... From water, right? Because it's fortified yep. on the water side. Never, yep. nobody could cross. And then they're like within sight of the stronghold from the desert. And he's talking to to one of the Arabian uh, leaders. And he's like, we're going to, and, and the Arabian leader's like, you know what? We are going to do this. We're going to get it. And Lawrence is like, you really think so? I'm like, Jesus, dude, <laughs> you, you brought me across the whole f- earth. For this plan, and now we're like, you know, 100 yards away, and you're like, I'm not so sure that we can possibly do this. I don't know. This is a good idea. You better be freaking in right now. We we are going to do this. (laughs) I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, What is up with um, Anthony Quinn's nose? So Anthony Quinn's character, it was a fake nose. Right. And it's right. the it's totally a different color from the rest of his face. <laughs> like right. a shockingly wrong tone. It's like yeah. gray. Yeah. Like his skin is brown and he's got a gray, it looks like a like a hawk's beak coming yeah. off. Yeah. It was so distracting. I thought, now now come on. Someone has to have looked at this guy and thought, we gotta fix that. And every day they apply some sort of fake proboscis to him, and it's the wrong color. Yeah. What's up with Lawrence as they're trekking across the desert using the water for shaving? Like, they've got, like, ounces (laughs) of water to get them across the earth in the most strenuous conditions ever. It totally reminded me of the scene from Three Amigos when Chevy Chase is, like, drinking (laughs) from the canteen and just, like, spitting the water out as he rinses his mouth out. Like dumps it over his face to wash it off. While yes. Steve Martin and Martin Short are about to die. They have like, like dust in there. Yeah. yeah. 
like what what kind of asshole does that there are a number of those types of moments where you think who is this guy i mean <laughs> he's so how, weird he's so weird and he's so um He's anti-establishment. He's anti-authoritarian. He thinks because he's well-educated, like he is clearly better than everybody. I mean, this guy's a prick. And I just think, why would he ever go into the army? Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. why would anyone have put up with him at all? Yeah. Like, let alone give him an opportunity to go do whatever he does in the movie. I just thought this guy would have been and like right away. This guy does not survive well in a in a chain of command type of situation i think there was also a scene where the alex guinness prince faisal character was i think having a conversation with the journalist or the photojournalist doing yeah. uh, mm-hmm. shoots and the audio gets super weird like all of a sudden it's clearly not his voice talking and it was oh. it was utterly jarring did you it, maybe it was maybe it was the blu-ray copy that i was watching but like it, it's almost like like the score drops out from behind him, and it was like dubbed in years later. It was really odd. Oh wow! Yeah, I did not. I did not experience that. Uh, one last thing for me. They, so they take Aqaba, the city that cannot be defended from the land, right? right? So they they do ultimately take the Turks, and uh, Lawrence right away realizes he's got to get back to Cairo to 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 let his. Uh, leadership know that they took the town he's got to prove it and so again they've been riding for days they just crossed the desert they got this other army committed an execution they take the city they realize okay i gotta do this he decides to leave right then like at that moment like it's not like all right well let's all get some shut eye drink a little bit hydrate maybe have a snack he's like nope let's go and he decides the only humans he's going to cross the desert again with are two teenagers. <laughs> so he's got like, he doesn't, we don't see him get a bunch of provisions. He hasn't thought this through. And he just yeah. has like the, the stupidest blind faith in himself that don't worry about it. I've never been here, but I'll just kind of generically figure out the way to Cairo with two teens who's also have never been to Cairo. Also, I have no training in this kind of exercise. Like, right. I mean, he's, he's no military hero. This isn't Dwight Eisenhower. Like he's, right. he's, he's kind of just flying by the seat of his pants out there, which I think. So again, we don't fact check. I don't know the, the full story of this man and his life and his, importance to the united kingdom but i kind of watch it and just think this is this is just a british buffoon that kind of fell upstairs yeah yeah for sure mike are you ready for five questions yeah let's do it five epic listener submitted questions all right big ones to go with this this epic film question number one sir alec guinness played an arab prince in this film he almost played Gandhi. He did play Adolf Hitler. And he played a Japanese businessman in a movie called A Majority of One. Hmm. How racist was Hollywood that they just kept giving Sir Alec Guinness all of these different roles to play? And how in the hell was this okay? He doesn't even, like, try to disguise his British accent. Like, he just, like, every one of those roles, he just keeps talking like a... Just keep speaking the King's He's English. Obi-Wan Kenobi there. Yeah. But, I mean, 
he's like in brown face. He's yeah. in Arab face. I mean, this would not be okay today. No, and it wouldn't be okay in the United States. This is the kind of thing that British people get away with. So you think it was okay for him because he was British? I don't think it's okay. I just think it's the kind of that the Brits get away with. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Fair enough, okay. Uh, question number two, which is the better, which is your favorite Peter O'Toole role? His role in Supergirl or his role in King Ralph? It never saw either of those. What? No. Uh, can we Two of his go- most lauded films? Can we go with Venus? That that one that he that one he did was you last see that nominated movie? for? I did, yeah. The cadaverous. Yeah. 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 He, he looked awful. Was it a- was it was a gross movie. <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> Question number three. Omar Sharif was ordered in 2005 by a U.S. court in Beverly Hills to take an anger management class after he punched a parking attendant who refused to accept his European currency. Wow. As far as Wikipedia is concerned, Sharif died without having served this sentence. Does that taint his legacy? Not at all. I think it tarnishes the legacy of the Beverly Hills parking attendants who probably killed him. He was assassinated by parking attendants? I mean, or just the stress of this. I mean, what... Either, if, either way, it's their fault, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, absolutely it is. Okay. Okay, yeah. fair I enough. I mean, haven't you ever wanted to punch a parking attendant? Well, we've all wanted to, but none of us do. That's the... Th- so you're saying you're, Omar Sharif was a hero. Yes. He stood up to the tyranny of absolutely. parking attendants. Absolutely. And then they sapped I, his life force. I'm going to try other. and make sure that he gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame if he doesn't have it already. All right, you check that out. All right. Question number four. Peter O'Toole famously bled from his rear end when first riding a camel for this movie. Oh, for the love of God, how does that happen? He then took the step of adding a very thin layer of sponge rubber under his saddle, Mm. which the Bedouin tribesmen later adopted in real life. And he was later nicknamed Father of the Sponge. For having come up with this brilliant this idea. Up. You made this up. How was this not already something they had explored? <laughs> if the Bedouins had been ass bleeding for a thousand years riding camels, how had no one thought, maybe throw something soft between the, it's the just, saddle and it's the like, camel? It's like part of the honor of riding the camel. Like, you don't want to get anything in between your butthole and <laughs> the camel pack. Like, I mean, how are this? But then, but then like, one, one day they're like, well, Peter O'Toole might have something here. <laughs> He's on to something. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we don't need to bleed from our <laughs> rear ends. Like, you know, you know what sucks? When I'm bleeding when I poop. So let's <laughs> stop that and just put a little sponge there. You know, it's like the anti-chafe when we run, you know? Like, right. we don't need to bleed from our chode. <laughs> And there's a way to stop it. But once upon a time, there wasn't. In the 70s, you know they didn't have that. Like those marathon runners. Justin Hoffman just bled. Yeah. He just bled when shooting Marathon Man because he had to train to be a marathoner. Right, right. Marathon runner. Okay. (laughs) Question five. Gone with the Wind is credited as being the longest Best Picture winner at 238 minutes, where Lawrence of Arabia clocks in second at 222 minutes. Which felt longer? Oh, this one felt way longer. Okay. Way longer. Yeah. Way, yeah. way longer. But and here, this is a question I'll add. 
does it feel as long as eighth grade, which we watched a while back, <laughs> which was only 90 it's minutes. Too but felt like it was yeah, too stressful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a tough question. I, I don't know that I can answer that one. This one probably felt still longer. This, still longer. This was a doozy. It was a push to get through. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, again, I'm really glad that I saw it. I'm glad that I rewatched it. It's a movie that you can appreciate for the breadth of what they're accomplishing. Yeah, yeah. This is a big deal, and this is... It, it's almost like the penultimate of epics, right? Like, I mean, this was at the height of, of filmmaking. But wow. It did not need to be four hours long. <laughs> it really didn't. And I think this is a really, really well-made movie, and I feel it's like... Everyone should see it once. Yeah, yeah. But not more than that. <laughs> so what do you think, buddy? Did the Academy get it right this year? You know, it's always tough to second guess. And I looked back at what else was nominated, and I had only seen a few of the other films. Now, To yeah. Kill a Mockingbird was nominated that year. Gregory Peck won, which you talked about. Uh, Alan Pacula, the director, was nominated. There were a number of other nominations for that film. I think that's a great movie. Um, the Manchurian Candidate with Angela Lansbury and Frank Sinatra was also uh, put out that year. Yeah. She was nominated. And Frank Sinatra actually hosted the Academy Awards. Yes, he did. Uh, I really enjoy that movie. That's probably one I've seen it's a good film. ten times. Yeah. yeah, I just enjoy it. So, But I don't think either of them – I mean, I, I feel like – from my money, Lawrence is so epic, and it's just—it's like impossible not to. Yeah, like yeah. like I said, if you want to nitpick it, you can, but then it's just so breathtaking. We were like, okay, fine, who can top that? That's, yeah. Yeah. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I I think that I agree with that. The uh, other than To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Mutiny on the Bounty, Music Man, I've seen. Obviously, that doesn't quite have the gravitas of this. Miracle Worker was a big movie of the year as well, with Anne Bancroft winning Best Actress and Patty Duke winning Supporting Actress for that film. Yeah. Uh, biographical film about Helen Keller, which is really impressive and uh, heart-wrenching. I, you know, I, I think that's a fantastic movie. It was not na- nominated for Best Picture. I, I think I would tend to agree with you. It's just like... The, this had to have been one of those years like Titanic when you're right. when you're entering the night going, well, of course that's going to win and it's going to win almost everything and why even bother if anything else? Right. Slumdog Millionaire yes. coming in, having yeah. won like everything yeah. from everybody. Right. Yeah, you just kind of... You just... You're going to the show. That's your award. You're going to get drunk at the governor's ball and have a good time. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a good year for movies overall with To Kill a Mockingbird being out there, which is a movie that I've revisited many times over the years and am always super impressed with. And uh, The Miracle Worker being one that I've uh, it holds a, a high place in my heart. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. 
If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.